This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Uh, thank you, Corey. I love the refrain of that song. Though the seasons change, your love remains. This is such an important truth for us to hold on to, to be reminded that even as the seasons of our lives change, the seasons of our world changes, uh, God's love remains. God's love is ever present with us. And so uh, one thing I hope that we are reminded of, especially today, is that uh, no matter where our hearts are or where our minds are, where our lives feel like they are today, uh, God's love is right here with us. God is among us. God's Holy Spirit links us uh, together as God's people. And that's good news. It's good news for each of us as we are navigating this life that's in front of us uh, today. Uh, Before we enter into God's word this morning, uh, I invite us to a time of prayer. Uh, Let us pray. Almighty God, we humbly come before you this morning, trusting your words and promises to be true. You promise to remain with us at all times, in all places, and in all seasons. And even when our love fails, uh, when our love falls short, your love never fails. Your love never falls short. We ask you this morning to fill us with your Holy Spirit, surround us with your presence, and link us together with one another. This morning, as your word is read and proclaimed, I do humbly ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, that they may be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Uh, This morning, we are continuing our summer sermon series on the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, It's a series that is tied to our Revised Common Lectionary. So each week, uh, we pick up the next uh, passage from uh, that pre-planned work throughout the summer. And so this morning, we're picking up with Matthew chapter 11. I'll be beginning with verse 16. And so if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you to go ahead and, and grab your Bible, uh, whether it's a physical Bible like this one or whether it's an app on your phone or device uh, or whether uh, you'll just simply read with us on the screen this morning, uh, I do invite you to hear, uh, he, hear these words from Jesus as he speaks to his disciples in Matthew 11, uh, beginning with verse uh, 16. Jesus says, But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. One thing I love about the way that Jesus teaches is that Jesus has a unique way of being able to take something very complex or profound or challenging and simplifying it for us to be able to hear well. Here he was speaking to his disciples and he's doing just that. He's taking this profound truth about the kingdom of God and and where he's challenging them to live differently than the world around them. And to do that, rather than uh, simply say that, simply say live differently, uh, he is saying, uh, listen to a story. And he does this so well. In fact, in Matthew's gospel, there are 23 parables that Jesus uses 
uh, and countless metaphors that Jesus employs uh, to challenge and invite his disciples into a new way of living, a new truth. This morning, he invites them, them to imagine uh, children. He says, imagine children in the marketplaces. And the children in the marketplaces, uh, they're gathered in that place. And I want you to imagine those children and around them is the community. And the community is listening and watching uh, those children. And he says this. He says, imagine those children uh, playing a flute for you. And you did not dance. He says, or we wailed for you. And you did not mourn. In one case, in this passage, you see joy. They play a flute. They're filled with joy. These children are playing instruments and, and, and infecting that whole community with joy. And yet, the community doesn't respond with dancing. And the other, suffering. These children wailing, mourning, grieving. And, and yet again, even as these children before uh, that community are suffering, they do not respond. The children are leading them, and yet the community is not coming alongside them. They're not responding to this place, to this invitation. I wondered what this meant, and as I was thinking through this sermon this morning, it took me back to a game I used to play as a kid. It's a game that some of you may know, a game called Red Rover. Uh, some of you may have played this as children, or your own children might have played it. I will tell you, it, it is a dangerous game, and it, not only were there lots of injuries when we played it, uh, but also, uh, today, it would violate all manners of social distancing. And so, please, children, do not go tell your parents that Pastor Tim said, go play Red Rover. That is not what I would encourage you to do. But if you don't know the game, the game is pretty simple. I think we have an image of it. We can pull that up. Uh, the game is made up of two teams, uh, usually about five kids on each team, and they stand at some distance apart. Uh, let's imagine 10 or 20 feet apart. And then one group calls out to the other group, you know, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Johnny right over. And as they call that out, then Johnny would release from his line and he would run at the other line that is linked together either by hands or by arms and try to break the line apart. Now, I've imagined if we were to tell the same story Jesus said uh, in that language, we would say, imagine a group of children who are playing Red Rover and they call out, you know, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Johnny right over, and yet Johnny doesn't come. Or, Imagine a group of children playing Marco Polo in the pool, which have become one of my favorite, the favorite things for my kids to do this summer. And imagine them crying out, you know, Marco, and yet there's no Polo in response. This is the essence of what Jesus is getting at. In either case, the game would not work. The game would not be complete. It would not function as it's designed, whereas one calls and invites, the other is to respond and to act. And he's critiquing the generation in Rome in which he lives for being a generation that they are both hearing rejoicing but not responding or hearing suffering and not mourning. What is conversation? What is invitation without response, without action? Over these last several weeks, we have been in a conversation with some of our community partners, in particular, uh, Apex First Baptist, and two pastors, Pastor Frankie McLean and Asa Clark, uh, who serve as part of that church. And each week we've shared parts of this conversation, and this morning we're going to share three more uh, short clips with you to conclude uh, this conversation with our church family for this, this season. And the first one I want to share with you is actually uh, Pastor Asa getting at the same truth. As we're having all these conversations about race and racial justice and what it means uh, to be a people who live into God's vision of the kingdom of God, 
a diverse kingdom, a beloved community, how do we respond? And so this first clip you're going to watch is Asa talking about the action that's required in response to conversation. Let's watch. The thing is, we have to have action. You know what I'm saying? It has to be something and it has to be a game plan. My pastor um, on that call, I remember one of the most important things that he said, and I, I, I honored you for it, was that I don't want to get on this call just to have a, just to say we're having a call. What are we going to do? What's the action going to look like? What's our game plan? And I think that that's been the issue that we've had a lot of times is that we talk about it, that something happens, we make a hashtag, and this is on both sides of it, you know what I'm saying? Um, and we, we make a hashtag and then we just sort of keep going without it being true action, us figuring out how to break it down. Pastor Asa challenges us to be a people of true action. A people that don't simply make a hashtag and begin to share our thoughts on social media, but a people who uh, take this conversation and, and live it out uh, in our world. Uh, about two weeks ago, uh, Corey uh, led us in a song uh, called uh, Rose Petals. It's a song I've listened to several times over the last few weeks. It's one of the ones that have gotten uh, stuck in my head as, as we have been having these conversations. But part of, again, what we connect to this conversation is what, what, what does it do, what good does it do if we sing beautiful songs but nothing changes. The three questions that I have been asking us to think about are these. You know, what needs to change in me? Who am I listening to? And what is the next step for me? And I hope again this morning that we would be challenged with these questions. That this would not be something that simply engages us and then fades away, but we would specifically be asking uh, now, not just who are we listening to, but what's, what's our next step? Uh, what's the thing that we're doing in response uh, to this call to action? I know for many of you, uh, you've taken next steps. Uh, some of you have joined uh, book clubs. Uh, Pastor Laura, I know, is helping lead a book club on how to be anti-racist this summer. There's over 150 people from across our church family that are engaged in those conversations, asking themselves reflectively about themselves and their community, about what it means to be a people who actively resist and reject racism. I know Corey's leading a book club called White Fragility, Again, people are engaging in that conversation and asking, you know, what's next? What do we do uh, with this conversation? Others are seeking ways to serve or, th- or seeking ways to have conversation with friends and, and other folks in our community to open up our minds to, to where God might be leading us to be a people who don't just talk about change, but who enact change. As we continue in Matthew 11, you hear Jesus echo this same sentiment. He closes this little pericope with these words. He says, wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Jesus suggests that we can be wise, we can know the right response, our minds can be transformed, but if our actions aren't transformed, if our deeds don't reflect that, it's not fully realized. Wisdom is fully realized in action, in change, in transformation. So I want to begin by offering an invitation to us, by inviting us to consider uh, what these next steps look like uh, for us. And I'm going to share an invitation that not only comes from me, but comes from Pastor Frankie this morning. Uh, let's watch. Well, what I hope comes out of all of this is that we all 
begin to see things from the other person's perspective. You know, you and I talked about ways that we could work together as a church because one of the most segregated places in America is the church. The black church is segregated, you know, um, just as much as anybody else's. And I think that's a failure on our part, right? That somehow we feel like uh, we have to be in our own silos within our own churches. So one of the things we do at Apex First Baptist is uh, five days a week now, it was six days a week, but now five days a week, we feed at the church um, Monday through Friday, uh, 6.30 to 7.30, and we feed the community of the Western Wake County. And um, we would love for you guys to come over and help us with that. Or if you guys have similar programs or things that you're doing, we would love to come over and be a part of that. I work a lot with one of your uh, ministers, David uh, Brown, with the uh, Western Wake Crisis Ministry. And so I know there are a lot of good people at Apex uh, Methodist Church, and uh, we would love for all of us to come together because if they can see the body of Christ, to Ace's point, working together, walking together in unity, then I think it can spread to the greater community. I love that image, right? If Pastor Frankie says, if, if the community, if the world can see the body of Christ working together, all uni united together, uh, what image would that offer the world? What imagination might our world see something different? Uh, well, that's part of why we've been very intentional about having uh, Pastor Frankie and Pastor Asa's voices in our congregation. We want uh, to be a people in partnership. It's part of why they've invited us to come uh, preach uh, later on at Apex First Baptist to, to not only uh, be people who talk about this uh, in separate spaces, but who talk about this together as community, that we might demonstrate uh, what it means to be uh, God's people, uh, not just throughout the week, but also on Sundays, and how we might reflect that kind of work. Uh, one invitation that he gave was that we might serve together. And generally, that, that may take some time to put those pieces together, but there's a program happening right now uh, in Southwest Wake County that they are helping lead, that they've invited us to come alongside. We have an invitation to that. It's a summer food service project. You'll see the URL on, on our screen uh, about uh, where that is, apexumc.org slash food service. And I would invite you to take a minute and visit that today and see how we might come alongside our sisters and brothers uh, at the... Um, at Apex, United, or at Apex First Baptist uh, to serve, uh, serve together. That's one way, even right now, that we can do this work as God's people. As we close this morning, I'm going to close the word of hope because I'm very hopeful. I'm hopeful that as we live out this calling to be God's diverse kingdom of God, God's beloved community, uh, that there is real uh, transformation that's possible. And we'll leave us with a word of hope uh, from Asa. Uh, let's watch. Again, thank you so, so much for having us. Um, I think if anything, I had a conversation with somebody and um, we were talking about, they were actually pretty doubtful about what was going on um, in society. It was African-American. He was actually a youth pastor. He, you know, what's the point of doing all of these things? What's the point of doing all this? Racism is never going to die. That's what he told me. And I said, you're right. It may not die. It may not, but I said, I know that um, years ago that people probably thought that they would always be slaves. African-Americans probably thought that. I know that years ago, people probably thought that we would be living in segregated cultures forever, you know, and we weren't going to be able to go to the same schools as our white counterparts or whatever the case may be. I know that um, uh, Blacks, we probably thought that we were never going to be able to vote, but we overcame those things. And I told him, and as I, uh, my, my hope to everybody is racism, it may not die in our lifetime. We may see it for a long time. Racism will always evolve, but we can always change it. I want us to be able to leave this life and making it a little bit better socially, 
um, a little bit better than we found it, you know, always just leave it better than we found it. So I think if I could say anything, understand that you, everybody has a voice, use your influence. You may not be a pastor, Tim or a pastor, Frankie, you may not be a mayor Gilbert or a chief Lenny, and that's okay, but use the influence that you have wherever that is, even if that's just in your circle at your family gathering, you know, use that influence and just be able to make changes and educate, 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 educate. And I think that if we do that, we'll be fine. Jesus closes this passage in Matthew 11 with these words. He says, Matthew 11, verse 28, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, This work that we do is not easy. Uh, This work is hard work. And I want to thank you for being willing to have these conversations to to stretch our church and our imagination about what it means uh, to seek the beloved community. Uh, The good news of the gospel is the same good news we started with. That even when we fail, even when we fall short, uh, God's love never fails. God's love never falls short. And God is right there with us. Jesus is right there with us to carry this burden so that we uh, together uh, might seek a freedom uh, for all of God's people, a freedom from sin and death, a freedom from evil in whatever ways it presents itself. And thank you for being a kind of church that takes that journey seriously. Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you for the ways your Holy Spirit leads us. Thank you for the ways that your servants can come before you humbly and be led by you. Have a different imagination for what this world looks like. Thank you for the ways you call us not just to speak, but to act. And Lord, whether it's in joy, with flutes playing, may we come and dance, or whether it's in suffering, with children wailing, we come and mourn. Lord, as the body of Christ, may we rejoice together. May we suffer together. And may in all things we be reminded that it is you who makes all these things possible. It is through your son, Jesus Christ, that we have all been set free, that we've all been invited to new life this day and always. It's the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.